0: I often joke around that if you meet a consultant or a coach or a thought leader who's had a perfect career, you should run because there is no such thing as a perfect career and if anyone has ever had one, they are about to go down and when they do, you don't want to be anywhere near them. Let me share with you a little bit about how imperfect my career has been. Last year, I spoke at a mastermind where I did a QA and a and people were asking about how do you create progress? How do you build your career? How do you build your business? And someone asked a question in an interesting way. They said, Alex, how did you always find a way to cre- keep your career moving forward so fast? None of us have a per- perfect career like you have. And I remember laughing because I have not had a perfect career. In fact, no coach, no consultant, no thought leader should ever claim to have a perfect career. We win from the challenges we have. We win from the mistakes we make. We learn from both of those things. We actually learn how to overcome adversity by going through it. We know how to coach people through the challenges because we've had them ourselves. And when this person told me that I had had this perfect career, I gave the entire group detail on the history of my career going all the way back to when I was in college. Let me share it with you so you can see just how ridiculously imperfect my career is. In fact, when I was just making notes for this podcast, I think my my career looks a lot more like Mr. Magoo was stumbling through it or it has a Forrest Gump-type quality to it more than someone who made perfect decisions. See, this is where my real career started. In college, I met one of my closest, well, I met my closest friend in the world today, Price. And Price and I started a business called FFC, Fraternal Finance Consultants. It was a billing and collection service for fraternities and sororities. See, we were young, And we didn't understand that in order to have a viable company, the first step is to find a viable market. So we picked a really limited market that we understood. We were in college. We understood fraternities. We understood sororities. And we went and did automated billing and collections from them. Well, we did billing and collections so well for fraternities and sororities, we never really made a lot of money. We built the business, we started billing for a lot of the national fraternities, a lot of the national sororities, we had a lot of their different chapters and locations, uh, we were doing reporting for them, and we just couldn't make the company big enough because we were billing in a tiny little market called fraternities and sororities, we hadn't been around a long, uh, a long time, and we didn't think to like look up and say, hey, why don't we go bill for utilities or something bigger? And what happened was Price and I had an offer from a company in Orlando called Envirocheck to buy the software from us because they were doing billing collections and water retrofits in the apartment community business. So they bought the software, and as part of that deal, I moved out to Orlando and became an executive vice president of sales at EnviroCheck. I had a one-year contract with them to work as part of the software purchase, to work through it. Price was coming out, making the software transfer, and in that one-year contract where I was going to get a pretty big payment at the end, I was actually earning commissions along the way, I quit at eight months. With massive commissions owed to me because I was working with an entrepreneur named Cameron Kuhn, K-U-H-N. If you ever wanted to do a search on Cameron Kuhn Orlando, you can go see. He He's now legendary on the East Coast. He ended up buying a ton of downtown Orlando and a ton of downtown Jacksonville and absolutely imploded and took apart, like the downtown of Orlando was permanently affected by what Cameron did. And when I was working with him in Envirocheck, I was selling contracts that were bigger than anything Envirocheck had ever sold. And instead of just delivering them on timeframes that were reasonable, he was trying to do everything overnight. He was a huge like Tony Robbins fan, only he applied Tony Robbins information the wrong way. He thought that what Tony Robbins said was everybody should do everything as fast as they possibly can and what Tony Robbins really says is to do things in the right way at the right time so Cameron was always pushing everyone in his business to overclock to do more and as a result it was a constant nightmare so I quit I was sitting in Orlando my I was born in Cal or born in Mexico raised in California my family my network everyone I knew was in California I had been in Orlando for eight months I had absolutely nothing going on and I had been talking to a friend of a friend who was a consultant. And he owned a business in New York where he was representing major manufacturers, and he had a bunch of them already, and he was considering opening an office in Florida. And he had an interview with Fuji Media and said, you know, Florida's available, New York's available, let's go on this interview and see if we can get both. And we really, it was a lark. It was like a long shot. We didn't think it would work out, we didn't think it would even happen, so we went on this interview and... Instead of getting New York where he was already established and had done business for years, we ended up signing Florida. So that's how I became a consultant to Fuji. It was almost a stroke of luck. It was almost just one of those things that happened. And so we, I started working, I, I started my business I actually partnered with his business, so my business partnered with his, but I was young. I was 21 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. We, we signed, through his business, Fuji. Then we signed SanDisk. Then we signed Fuji digital cameras. Then we signed Targus computer carrying cases, and we just kept going and signing bigger and bigger contracts. But the problem was I didn't realize he controlled everything. And after a few years, he started messing around with how he was paying me. He wanted to change the percentages my company got. So I had to leave that partnership and I went out on my own. I lasted about six months and then I took on a partner who came in with some money and we started going out and signing new contracts. So we actually were able to go and get Logitech and we got Targus and we got a few of the the contracts that we had had before. We ended up working with Belkin. Eventually we worked with Monster Cable. But then my partner and I made a massive mistake. We merged our company with another company that was in the same business we were. We almost tripled our company size overnight, but what we didn't realize, and what we didn't know enough to know, was that the company we were merging with was actually losing money. We were profitable, they were bigger than we were, but they were losing money. So while we thought we were going into this merger, which was gonna be a huge win for us, it actually created a massive overnight liability. It was brutal. So we spent years working our way out of that liability. It was like a year and a half before we actually started making money. I remember I took a huge pay cut during that time. And we worked at it and we worked at it and we worked at it. And the company that we merged with, the owner of the other company, actually owned more than we did. So at one point, he finally decided that my partner, who was originally in the business, had to go. He didn't want him there anymore, so I was there. I didn't have my partner. I was left with the, the other owner, so it was the two of us. And he was the majority shareholder. And I remember the day that he told me he was hiring Brad and Jeff Smart, the guys who wrote wrote Top Grading. Um, My partner was in Entrepreneur's Organization. He went to a bunch of seminars. I didn't go to any of them. I didn't even know they existed. Now, in retrospect, I do know. And he decided that the way that we were going to fix the company, the way that we were going to to grow the business was to bring in someone who was going to replace me, I would report to them, and then that person would grow our consultancy. The challenge is I was growing the consultancy all along, and we ended up recruiting a VP, an executive vice president from Microsoft, who came into our business and took over. And just to show you how imperfect my career is, I started fighting with that VP for Microsoft day one. I couldn't stand the guy. He was arrogant, he didn't understand our business, he didn't understand me, I didn't wanna work for anybody, he was a hired gun, I didn't respect him as an entrepreneur, he bugged me like crazy, it was incredibly frustrating. Frustrating right up to the point where, as a team, we were at the biggest event we had ever done, We had an events business in Latin America. We had an event in Los Angeles. It was the biggest event we had ever created, and I quit the business at that event. In fact, I got so fed up with this new person who was running our company, I went to my partner and to him, and I sat down with them, and I said... I'm going to leave the business, and I told them a small part of the business I wanted to take with me that they didn't see as important. We had a company that was operating in Latin America and the United States, and our United States business was not as big as the Latin American business, so I talked them into giving me the the United States business. I took no buyout, so I didn't get any cash out of the deal at all. I just got the United States business, and that is when I finally had my own consultancy. And over the course of the next four or five years, I built it into a massive organization where eventually, I remember my biggest day in that company was a $22 million day. We did about $250,000 in a year. And then I met my wife, Katie. And I had been a consultant that had gone through a lot, like I just told you, partnerships and events companies and tons of different team members and traveling sometimes 60, 70, 80 Occasionally, even 90% of the time, I was exhausted. And so when I met Katie, my company was at the biggest it had ever been, and I decided to sell it and get out of the consultancy business. I didn't want to do it anymore. I was overwhelmed. I wanted to have an exit. I wanted to have some cash in the bank. I didn't want to have to travel anymore. I was ready to do something else. So I spent about a year, figured out how to sell the company, ended up selling it, and i experienced the most massive reduction in momentum i've ever had in my life it was like i felt like the wheels had fallen off it was like it like it, here's what here's what happened literally i went from being an important business owner that gave advice all the time that was significant in so many different ways, whose phone was ringing all day, who was answering emails constantly, and then the next day, nothing was happening, and nobody cared. It felt like I had been punched in the stomach, and I thought I was going to quote-unquote retire, and it was the longest six weeks of my life. I was going crazy. I thought I was literally going to lose it, and Katie and I, I, I took some of the money that we got from the business, and as a way to like stop being frustrated and feel like I was doing something, I started buying houses. I remember buying our first. Well, I had already, I had always owned property. I'd always owned rental properties from when I was in my early twenties. It was one of the first things that I did with the money that I made. And when I was, when I retired, quote unquote retired, and had some cash, I started buying properties and rehabbing them. I remember doing our first property. It took us like 45 or 60 days to get it ready. It took us another few months to sell it. And there was this rush of being able to sell a property. So I did it again and again. And like anything else I've done in my life, I started creating systems around it and processes around it. And soon Katie and I were some of the biggest home buyers in South Florida. We probably bought more single family homes than any individuals and probably any other company in South Florida did collectively. We did thousand, over a thousand deal, we deals. We were doing hundreds of deals. Some weeks, I was closing five or six deals a week on houses. And we built a massive real estate portfolio. It was incredible. We were making six figures a month and sometimes multiple six figures a month. We were buying houses. We were adding them to our portfolio. We had all of our time, effort, energy, everything we did was in real estate. And we were blowing up Everyone knew who who we were. Things were going incredibly well. We had a really nice house, huge cars. We could do just about anything we wanted. And then 2007 hit. And in the course of that year, we lost so much equity. We went from having millions of dollars in equity and well over a million dollars in the bank. And between the hurricanes Katrina and Wilma that damaged almost all of our properties, we had like... 40 insurance claims in one, and 30 and seven insurance claims in another, and we had double claims. It was crushing us, and we lost all of our money, and then we lost all of our equity, and we got to the point where we couldn't make the payments, and we went bankrupt. So there I was, 2007, (laughs) just 11 years ago, I was 34 years old, or 35 years old, and publicly declaring to the world that I was a complete and total verifiable failure. It was horrible. I remember how frustrating it was for Katie and I. I mean, we didn't know what we were going to do, but then we got started getting served with foreclosure notices and I started reading them and I realized there was a major issue in how those notices were being laid out. And so we looked at it and I started working on a book called Mastering Short Sales for Real Estate Agents. In fact, Wiley offered us $50,000 for the book at a time where $50,000 was like $500,000 to us. We were bankrupt, we had no money, we didn't know how we were going to buy groceries, We had trouble buying gas. And we got this offer that was absolutely incredible, but just had too much control in it and too much we were giving up. And so Katie and I took Mastering Short Sales for Real Estate Agents and we took a flying leap and we turned it into the Certified Distressed Property Expert Designation. And on January 23rd and 24th, 2008, in Boca Raton, Florida, at the Holiday Inn on Glades Road that had been a Hampton Inn, so it was a distressed hotel with a distressed property uh, class, I taught our first class to 60 students, 62 to be exact, and we charged $249 a person, and that is where the CDP was born. And from that point forward, we taught about 1,500 students in that first year. And then the next year we taught about 5,000 and the next year we taught over 10,000 total. We taught, we sold just shy of 49,000 and change of the Certified Distressed Property Expert designation and we had an average sales price of about $450. That business with the continuity product we introduced at $99 a month, did over $70 million online and it completely changed mine and Katie's life. From bankruptcy, from the date our bankruptcy was discharged to being liquid millionaires, it was less than a year. I ended up in that business, you know, in in my consulting business, I met incredible people. In that business, it was the same thing. We ended up working with the US Treasury, with the FHFA, with all of the major brokerages in the United States, with most of the major lenders in the United States, directly with the Obama administration. In fact, at one point in 2013, Lori Maggiano, one of the directors at the US Treasury, came into our office for a broadcast, and she said, on the broadcast, Alex, you know, we've realized through our research that your organization with the CDP has pulled forward the market recovery five to seven years. We have that on video. And I remember sitting there and thinking this is fantastic and then immediately panicking while we were live on air because we had a product that only sold in a distressed market. We had a product that only made sense in a distressed market. And when she said we had pulled forward the recovery, I realized that also meant we had completely trashed our market. In fact, we needed a distressed market to keep selling. Now understand, in no way, shape or form did I want the market to remain distressed so that we could do okay. But at that time in 2013, Katie and I had over 90 employees and well over 150 with contractors. And from 2013 up until 2016 or 17, we made cuts. It was brutal and depressing and frustrating. There were days where we had to lay off 25 people at once because our product went from selling thousands a month to half that, then half that again, then half that again, then half that again because the market demand just wasn't there. There was nothing we could do to sell our way out of it. And we tried to pivot. We started coaching real estate agents. We had a coaching organization at one point that was a four or five million dollar- a-year business, and then Katie and I decided we just didn't want to do it. It wasn't the right type of coaching. It wasn't the right avatar. We didn't want to work with, with just real estate agents anymore. We didn't want to coach tactics. It was just too much. And so we ended up shutting down the coaching company, laying off more of our team. and in 2017. Last year in July, we went down from what was, what had been over 90 people down to three. Me, Katie, and one of our team members, Justin Light. That was it. And we started over. And in 2017, I joined Russell Brunson's Inner Circle, and I got some advice from him. He helped me figure out what type of coaching program we should put together. He also helped me launch this podcast, not helped me. He suggested I launch this podcast, pushed me, encouraged me. When I say pushed, pushed really hard over and over, and I'm so grateful that he did. Because at this point, we've had over 1.2 million downloads. And last year, in our first year in this business, we did about $250,000. When compared with our first year in CDP, we did about 127,000. In our second year of CDP, we did about a half million dollars, which was huge to us. In our second year this year, It looks like we're gonna end at around 2.25 million in collections and way over $2 million a year in recurring revenue. And who knows what we'll do next year. So my career has been nothing but perfect, has, has been anything but perfect. My career has been a series of challenges that have been overcome, but there is no such thing as a perfect career. And I share this with you because I want you to understand that entrepreneurship never looks shiny and squeaky clean. In fact, entrepreneurship is one of the hardest paths you could ever choose in your lifetime. To do what we do, to create a business, to go out and make something happen on your own is one of the hardest things you can possibly do. But I want you to know something, I wouldn't have it any other way. This is exactly where I wanna be. And take my warning seriously. If you encounter a coach or a consultant or a thought leader whose career has been perfect, you should be scared of them because one of two things is happening. They're either making things up and they're not telling you transparently what reality is or if they are the person that happens to so far have had a perfect career, I don't think you wanna be around them when they finally fall down. If you're ready to start growing your business faster and you want to benefit from all of the mistakes I've made, which is one of the things I tell my clients all the time, I will always share with you my mistakes so that you don't have to make them in the fir- the same way. And if you want to benefit from a career that's been anything but perfect, but it's had a ton of ups, a ton of downs, but a lot of successes, I'd love to help you go to billionairecode.com forward slash apply and fill out some simple questions for my team. And you can get on somebody from my get on the call with someone from my team or with me. And we will explain how we can help you. And don't try to be perfect. Try to make progress. And that's how you really win as an entrepreneur.